0: Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand just a little more about how the other side thinks. This episode is brought to you by Dell Tech. The topic today is the ever-changing and unchanging world of government contracting. Let's get started. There's been a lot of change over the last 20, 25 years, just while we've been involved in the government acquisition world.
1: Yeah, what's that saying that there's no constant except the law of change? And you hear people say that everything's changed in this market. Everything, really? It got me kind of thinking about what has changed. Well, a lot, actually. I mean, the FAR is now online. We had the Federal Acquisition Reform Act and the Federal Acquisition Streamlining Act back in the 90s. And GSA contracts have grown a lot. We've had the growth of service contracts, the spending on service contracts now outpaces the spending for products and things like the institutionalization of FAR 13.5 that we talked about. I think it was episode 51. And that's the part of the simplified acquisition procedures that says you can buy commercial items for up to $7 million. That was a test program for like a few years or, and then all of a sudden, poof, it's officially codified. So these are things that have changed.
0: Yeah, I hear now more than ever, things are changing faster, more than ever. Ever? Really? <laughs> yeah, Really? <laughs> Ever's a big word. Like, in the history of the world, this is the most change that's ever happened. Like, maybe World War II, nothing really changed there. Yeah, that, that's a very, that's, that's, our, that's our reality culture speaking there right now, that, that I am the most important person, and now is the most important time, and I always like to challenge that. Okay, rant over. <laughs> so what hasn't changed... Yeah, the, In the, the government acquisition world. The things that haven't
1: changed is competition. It's always going to be competitive. It's complicated. It's always going to be complicated and communication. There's always going to be a need for an importance of communication between both sides.
0: Let's stop and say thanks before we get going here. I want to say thanks to Nichelle Early from Breakforth
1: Solutions for writing a testimony about the value of the podcast on LinkedIn and
0: helping people find our content. That's awesome. Thanks, Nichelle. Today, we're talking about what's not likely to change in the government acquisition world. Lots is changing. Not going to argue with that, but the constants, and you just ran through them, Kevin. Competition, complication, and the importance of communication. So that's three Cs if you put communication in the front of that sentence. So we'll start with competition.
1: Our friend Shelly Hall, who's been on the podcast, she wrote a blog uh – she did some research and wrote a blog about how far back did competition start in the government contracting. And it's – actually, she found a reference to the Revolutionary War. They were looking to buy food. <laughs> That's That's as far back as it goes. Exactly.
0: For yeah, the they were, country anyway.
1: They were, they were looking to buy food, and they were putting on a competition. And so they, they put up a little – I don't know, probably like a, the equivalent of a sticky note outside the building <laughs> and said, hey, we need, we need to buy food, so
0: let's compete the contract. Nailing a poster to the wall. Yeah. So even in the Revolutionary War, they were trying to prevent wartime profiteering in selling food to the soldiers, right? Competing it. It's awesome. It's really, it's our culture. Like from the very beginning, we're, we're capitalists. That's the way we operate.
1: Even though there are plenty of non competitive contracts, still 70% of contract dollars are competed. But where does the competition take place? So even though that seventy percent of contract dollars is at the contract level, like the RFP is competed, a sole source contract, the competition just happened before the RFP came out. It happened before it was exposed to the market or whatever the conditions. So there's competition right. happening all over the place.
0: Right. Some in a sole source contract, someone has convinced the government that they're the only source, either through crafty marketing, you know, capture and business development work. Or by dominating the market to to where they've already eliminated the competition in the commercial world or they're first to market. Yeah, so competition can happen well before the RFP's release, and that doesn't add into those statistics of how many contract dollars are competed.
1: If you remember from the required sources of supply episode that we did, there was a reference to the Helium Act. If you have to buy Helium, you're going to buy it through this process. Well, a competition to have Helium bought that way – happened before it went into the FAR.
0: Right. Some lobbyists actually convinced Congress to put into the laws that were then passed that this is the only way that you can buy helium. Who knew? And the next C that's not going to change is complication. We talked about competition. The government market is complicated, and I'm afraid it always will be.
1: A big reason is we're spending taxpayer dollars. We're spending our tax dollars. So lots of people get a vote. Or, it, or want a vote or think they have a vote or however you want to word that, but lots of people
0: want to know where the money's going. Right. So the budget is actually appropriated and authorized by an act of Congress, which is you know signed into law by the president. And then after all that time and complication to decide how much money we're going to give to who, then it has to get doled out through the funding process to the agencies, then down to the departments and the directors and divisions and commands and systems and programs, whatever you want to call in your agency, there's a lot of people involved. There are thousands of people in the in the finance world that are employed just to track that money as it is doled out and as it is spent. There are a lot of people involved, and a lot of people means complication.
1: Yeah, and a lot of eyes want to know where the money's going. Another reason is the 80-20 rule. We talked about episode two, we talked about the 80-20 rule, that government contracting is 80% process and 20% relationship. Well, that 80-20 flexes, it may be 50-50 or 70-30, you know, it depends, but it's still complicated because either way, if you're on the process side, as we just kind of talked about just with the budgets, the process to award a contract is going to be complicated because lots of people want to see what's going on. Likewise, on the relationship side, there are rules about how the relationships can work. There's a Procurement Integrity Act. There's the expectation that it's not just a quote-unquote good old boy network.
0: I like the way you said there's an expectation.
1: Exactly, because again, people on the outside, i.e. people who aren't in government contracting, but people who are funding government contracts, they want to know that something's happening that's legit-ish, right? Yep. Well, anyone can get on the road to government contracts. It's a twisty road. It's got speed bumps and potholes and there's there's no guardrails and stuff. And so the process can can ding you. So if you don't understand the complicated process, if you don't understand the direction that road is going in, that you're trying to follow, you run into problems. Example would be 52-219-14 is one clause in the contract. It's a limitation on subcontracting clause. It's it's a provision in the contracts and it, and ends up going into the contract. What it says is, for a small business set aside, the small business will do 51% of the work. If you send a proposal. Or a small business set aside that says, yeah, I'm going to do 10% of the work and this large business subcontract is going to do 90. I can't legally give you a contract. So the process just beat you upside the head that, and that's going to be complicated because the rule behind that is the purpose of a small business set aside is to give that work and those dollars to small businesses.
0: So yeah. That kind of rule doesn't exist in the commercial world. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Tech. GovWin IQ uses their vast market intelligence to give you visibility and context around the budgets and funding for the program opportunities you're tracking. Use Deltec's depth and understanding of the market to capitalize on your strengths and win new business. Here's Deltec's Kevin Plexico to explain.
1: We put it in the context of we're going to give you a better ability to go after an opportunity in a more targeted way. Use your business development resources the way they're supposed to be used, which is selling, not researching and improve your probability of winning an opportunity by better positioning you for it.
0: Deltec's GovWin GovWinIQ is the essential source for information, teaming, and software solutions to help organizations find, manage, and win government business. Now back to the show. You touched on this a minute ago. There's one more thing we should discuss when we're talking about why things are complicated and why it's not going to change is the more simple the government acquisition process gets, the less fair people think it is. If the government could skip all the process and just say, I want to buy that from that contractor and award a contract, it would be very efficient. We'd be able to buy stuff and sell stuff very quickly. But the taxpayers, the public, would be very offended that we're back to the old boy network and cronyism and we're just giving away government dollars to those with the connections, right? We try to make it fair and... We believe that it's good for the economy to support small businesses, to let everyone have an equal chance to bid on government work. And I'm not saying that the cronyism, the relationships don't impact things, especially like we talked about in the 80-20 revisited episode, especially at the highest dollar levels. Relationships matter a lot. But the process is complicated because we're trying to make things fair. We're trying to make it more of a level playing field to support the economy as a whole, not just those that have the connections,
1: some people think that the cronyism that you talk about is actually how the process works. I was actually interviewed at, on a podcast by a Canadian guy, and it was really interesting his perception of what we do. He had no context of it because for them, it doesn't work like ours does because you know Canadian government's a different animal entirely, so he thought that ours worked like his no. So some people think that this cronyism system is how government contracts work. People who aren't in the government contract, i.e., those not listening to this podcast, a lot of them think, oh yeah, they're just doled out. They're just given to whoever we want and they just don't have any idea. To avoid that problem, we're always gonna have complication. Because you want to be able to tell those people when they raise their hand and say, Where are my tax dollars going? The expectation is there's a process behind it. It's not just, you know, hey, I like that guy. Here's a ten million dollar contract. Have a nice day. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of why contracting officers exist on the government side is that it's the compliance function to make sure that we're following all these rules so that we can maintain capitalism as we know it and love it today. (laughs) The third thing we're going to talk about that is not going to change in the government acquisition world is the importance of communication. Information is not communication. Information doesn't supply needs, goals, perceptions, or, or ways of doing things. Only direct contact can communicate. I I think that's a Seth Godin quote, but we talk about communication all the time, and that really sums it up. And it has to do with context.
1: Information by itself usually lacks context. Communication adds that context.
0: I like that. I like saying it that way too. Good one.
1: I was more successful when I communicated throughout the acquisition process. Before the RFP, when we did RFIs and we did industry days, we took the time to communicate more. And yes, it took longer up front, but we had fewer protests.
0: Right. When instead of just releasing information for people to read and insert their own context, you actually took the time to communicate and ensure that they received the context that you were trying to communicate.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard because it feels like you're not moving as fast. Right. In the end, you're going to get things done faster. But it's, it, most people don't want to front load. And I was a, a card carrying member of the club of just hurry up and get it out. And
0: <laughs> Wait, you were impatient? I yeah, can't imagine really. that. <laughs> Come on, let's go next stop. And it doesn't really matter what manner communications travel, whether it's face to face, email, text, video, podcast. Right. Communication is always important. And that direct contact is the easiest way to convey the context. And even though I say that, the example that comes to mind of why communication is important is we have one CEO that we're dealing with right now that takes the time to pick up the phone and talk to the contracts manager and give her a forecast of the things that he knows are coming down the pike. Here's what the next three ECPs look like. We know that there's funding in the process and we believe that these are going to happen you know, in this time frame. And that gives the industry, the, the program team, it gives them time to put that into their schedule. So while they're trying to deliver all the stuff that they're on contract for, they can plan for when these changes might happen and when they might have to write a proposal for the next change. If it's a surprise, if you have a relationship with the government, you're you're working on a contract and surprise, an engineering change proposal shows up, it's disruptive to everyone. And just that little Piece that he picks up the phone and says, Hey, here's the next seven things that I think are going to happen. Here's what, here's what we're seeing in the future. I can't even begin to describe how helpful that is.
1: And it can be something as simple as knowing that, Oh, okay. Since that's not going to happen during that month, I can actually plan a week of vacation. That that stuff is that that's what keeps people from burning out and Hating government contracting, honestly, because the other extreme is that by everything's last minute, you end up living right. on it was like a hellish treadmill.
0: Yep. It doesn't, and he didn't, he wouldn't have to pick up the phone. He's tracking it on a sheet. He could just share the, the, the tracking sheet, you know, that he's using internally. There's, it, there's nothing secret about that. We have a contract. We have a relationship, right? That, yeah. that openness helps so much.
1: And that's a big part of the performance zone, but that's a topic for, that's a whole other topic for another podcast.
0: But that is a good segue. We forgot earlier on to talk about the acquisition time zones and the execution time zones and when these three Cs matter, these three things that don't change matter. And I guess the reason we forgot is because it matters throughout all of them. There's no time when
1: the effect of competition, complication, and communication aren't going to be felt in one of these zones.
0: This is important to understand because you can't wish these away. Lots of other parts of the acquisition world are going to change these three are not going to change
1: yeah acquisition strategies will come and go um, there's always
0: a fad for how you're going to do the next competition right
1: this week is two steps to a bid you know who knows (laughs) your funding priorities change with because congress controls that so it's political
0: this right as administrations come and go what's important comes and goes And, and people
1: people people like the even at the even at the program level, the priority for this part of the program may change depending on who's in charge, right? I mean, there's people doing the work and those people have opinions. So whether or not we fund this training or this trip changes, so that that's not going to change,
0: but competition as mandated by our system is not going to change, which means it's going to be complicated and communication is vital to cut through the complications.
1: From the government side, make sure you're communicating the competitive process. It's complicated. You need them to understand it. Even on this, unless you're buying something through like a government credit card that's really simple, just because the process is simple to you because you know it from the inside doesn't mean it's simple and less complicated to the, the seller. They may not understand every step in the process. They may not understand a key step <laughs> they didn't know existed that they dropped the ball on and, and you got a problem. So, make sure your contractors understand these processes because otherwise they're going to be offended during a debriefing. And I'm raising my hand here because I've done this before when they find out that they lost. And I said, Oh, well, you didn't do this. And they didn't realize it was there. And yes, I'm right. And yes, they're kicked out and whatever. (laughs) That's not really the point of this whole thing. The point is to get them to do it right the first time by understanding how the process works.
0: From the industry side, you can fight to not have competition and to simplify things. And that can work to a point, but getting sole source contracts as a continuous strategy doesn't work in most cases. Very few things are sole sourced forever. Very few things are only one company can ever do this forever.
1: And there's always going to be complication because while we wish things went faster, we wish that they worked sometimes like they do in the commercial market where things can go really fast. It's difficult to rewire the system. When I worked at Air Force Research Laboratory, we were trying to streamline the process for the CIBRA contracts, for the Small Business Innovation Research. And by the time we kind of laid out the whole steps and said, OK, here is the process. And then we streamlined it in quotes, right? And then somebody looked at the, the new fancy flow chart we created and they said, you didn't take any steps out. You're just doing the steps faster. And it was a really kind of, oh, wow, you're right, because you can't just skip steps when they're legally required, right? <laughs> So there is an effort afoot right now called the 809 panel where they're trying to streamline the acquisition process. Some of the things in there have gotten a little bit bloated. I get that, and that's a podcast for a different day.
0: There's actually an 800 panel 25 years ago that tried to do the same thing. Well, actually, not tried. Did the same thing. Reduced, streamlined the federal acquisition regulations. And here we are again with the 809 panel trying to strip out all the stuff that's grown since then.
1: (laughs) I guess it's got to be complicated. And this complication makes things take longer. But one of the themes we're using for the Skyway Summit, for our conference we're doing here in uh, St. Petersburg this fall, is why does it take so long? Because that complication, it it's maddening for everybody on both sides.
0: But it's easier if if the sides are communicating and everyone understands why it has to take, why this part, anyway, has to take this long. So to summarize this episode, we believe that there's three things, there's probably more than three, but there's three things for sure that are not going to change about the government acquisition world.
1: Competition, there's always going to be some level of competition. Complication, it's always going to be complicated regardless of how you define complication. The degree to complication may change, but I think based on what we're doing, it's going to be complicated. And then the value of communication, the value of context is always going to be here. The more context you have, the more effective communication. Like you said, not just information, just putting out boatloads of information isn't really helpful. It's giving people context so they have better communication. Those three are the axioms of government contracting competition, complication, and communication. And yeah, it's kind of
0: cool that we got all three of them to have a C. I think they got there themselves. We didn't make up the Cs. <laughs> I think that's true. Okay, that's it for today. Talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. That's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, Deltek, and thank you for joining us.